Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Now, we have a good, interesting show for you today. We're going to talk a lot about Roland Garros and a lot about the French Open and a lot about exactly what's kind of going on over there in Paris. Now, there's a lot that's kind of happened, and some of it having to do with the ATP, some of it having to do with the Grand Slams, and some of it having to do with Naomi Osaka and the WTA and some of their players. So let me kind of get right into it. So a little backstory. Now, I just feel like I have to address this because it is the top storyline at Roland Garros. Now, I know there's a ton of opinions on this, but I'm just going to cover this as I can, cover my cover the bases of it, and then we'll move on from there. So what happened is Naomi Osaka announced before the tournament that she wasn't going to do any media interviews, right? She said, I am not going to do any media interviews. I It's for my mental health, and I just need to take some time away from doing media interviews because sometimes they can throw... They can say things that will put ideas into my head or they can turn the narrative a little bit sometimes. She's like, I have a lot of reporters that I know and respect that I've worked with for a long time, but nevertheless, I'm not going to do any media interviews. So come round one, she wins, doesn't do any media interviews, and the Roland Garros finds her $15,000 and says, "If if you continue to do this, you could be eligible for a default because of our code of conduct. And so pretty much what happened is if you have so many of these codes of conduct, you can, you know, have to be defaulted in the tournament. So if she were to win so many matches, she would default the tournament, right? So what happened is all of the Grand Slams came out with a joint statement um, saying that they're, they have commitments to all the athletes' well-being, um, and they do like and suggest dialogue on the issues, um, but it's an obligation of hers, and she was reminded of that, and if she doesn't you know, meet those obligations to talk to the media after a match, um, the rule of you know, the code of conduct rule is also going to apply to her because it applies to all players. Um, and then she, they go on to say, we individually and collectively have significant resources dedicated to player well-being in order to continue to improve. However, we need engagement from the players to understand their perspective and find ways to improve their experiences. Every year, we seek to deliver better experiences to our fans, our players, and our people, and we have a long and successful track record in achievement of this count, whatever. So... They go on they go on and go on and go on like this, and then they end up going, we have advised Naomi Osaka that should she continue to ignore her media obligations during the tournament, she would be exposing or exposing herself to possible further code of conduct infringement consequences, which would be that. Um, then they underline the rules and go through the whole thing. So a few reasons why this got a lot of attention. One, because Naomi Osaka is a big deal in the sport of tennis. She's a big deal in the world of sports. She just came out as making the most money of any female in the world of sport last year, making somewhere around in the ballpark of $55 million, which is no small feat. That's a lot of money. 
Also, Naomi Osaka has a real chance to have a very, very successful tennis career, even get up, you know, near the 20 Grand Slam mark. That's where Serena sits. And she has, you know, can make a real case for the best female player of all time. And so for her to really, and she never really causes a lot of controversy. So for this to all happen around Naomi Osaka is one, interesting. Two, it's like, but it's Naomi Osaka. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't want conflict like this. Another reason why this is kind of a big deal is because now this is things I've seen on Twitter and some things I've seen some from some other journalists. And a lot of people have brought up a really good question. So Naomi Osaka says she doesn't want to do media and she misses a media conference. Well, currently, or last year, Alexander Sverev has some allegations against him with some abuse um, with an ex-girlfriend and someone he used to date. And none of these Grand Slams have really said anything and the tennis world hasn't really, I feel like they haven't really addressed it. And I kind of talked about this in my last podcast, the first podcast of this season too, when it came to Team 8 and Roger Federer not being with that agency anymore. But some of these, some people are concerned that why is this such a big deal to the, you know, to the Grand Slams? And they haven't said anything about this whole sphere of thing, or they haven't really addressed this like this. Like this, like Naomi Osaka, pretty much saying like Naomi Osaka can be kicked out of a tournament for not doing media press conferences, but, you know, a men's player has some serious allegations against him and no one says anything and he's still playing and he can play in every tournament. That's a concern of many people, I think, because it seems like the tennis world um, from the outside looking in seems to have almost ignored this. And this is a question um, that a reporter also asked Roger Federer in, hey, what is happening here? Should the ATP be doing something? Should these tournaments be doing something? He kind of dodged the question and said, we should probably just wait for the courts and the government to do their, you know, do their job and then we can find out from there. But... It's a, I think it's a valid concern and a valid topic and a valid thing to bring up when it comes to the ATP, when it comes to these tournaments, when it comes to the WTA, um, because in all honesty, is Naomi Osaka missing media a massive deal? I don't think it's a huge, huge deal, especially if she's just going to do it once. I mean, granted, it is a grand slam. I wish she could just do it here and there, but it got blown up. Her not doing media got blown up. And then you have other players come out and say, yeah, I don't really care what you guys write. I just come in here because I have to. I know, like Venus Williams, like I know I'm better at tennis than every single one of you and you could never do what I do. So whatever you write doesn't affect me. I just come in here and do my thing. Serena talks about how she doesn't really like doing media at times. Other players have talked about how they just don't like doing media ever and they don't know why they really have to do it. Um... It's a very interesting dynamic, and it's a very interesting topic. And to be honest, I think there's going to be a shift in how media and how, I want to say, press conferences go in the world of sport, especially in tennis after this. There's going to be different consequences for not doing media, I believe, because they pretty much ran Naomi Osaka out of town. Oh, I didn't even mention this. So Naomi Osaka ended up withdrawing from Roland Garros, saying she didn't want to be a distraction. This was never meant to be a distraction, and she's just going to take time to focus on her mental health. I saw a report the other day that she's currently in L.A. Who knows if she's going to play in Wimbledon? That's still kind of up in the air. But 
they pretty much ran Naomi Osaka out of this Grand Slam, and I think she had a real chance at winning it. So now a lot of people are like, well, I wanted to watch Naomi Osaka play really, really well in this tournament, possibly win a French Open, but because she won't do media, that's taken away from her. So a lot to unpack there, a lot going on in the world of press conferences and Naomi Osaka and everything there, but I just wanted to chuck it out there because it is a big deal, and it will continue to be a big deal, and there's probably going to be some changes in the world of tennis simply because of what Naomi Osaka just did. And there are there's reason to believe, and there's people out there who believe this is going to be a massive change in the sport of tennis and a massive change in the sports world when it comes to press conferences, when it comes to athletes talking to media, and when it comes to how the media and athletes interact. Very interesting stuff here. Very interesting stuff coming out of the French Open. I want to move on, though. I want to move on into the French Open, into Roland Garros, and I want to jump to the men's side. Now, there's been a lot of good matches on the men's side and a lot, a lot of big names, and we're going to get to the quarterfinals here in a little bit, but what I want to do is I want to talk about how we've gotten to the quarterfinals, and ironically enough, there's been some defaults, there's been some big names drop out of the tournament, there's even been some massive losses, and I think it's just been a very odd tournament so far. Some weird things have happened, and just very unpredictable when it comes to some of these other matches that have happened throughout the tennis tournament. Now, I want to start with Andre Rublev. Andre Rublev, I thought, was going to be a massive, massive you know, contender in this tournament. He's been playing really well on the tour over the last year, year and a half, and I really thought he could make a run at this tournament. But Andre Rublev ends up losing in the second round to Struff. Now, Struff has made a run ever since. He beats Rublev in five, then he moves on, and he ends up being Alcaraz, and Alcaraz actually had a really good tournament, making it all the way to the third round. And now Struff finds himself in a place where he can actually do some damage after he beats all of them. Unfortunately, he runs into a better Diego Schwartzman, who's also playing really well, and Schwartzman moves on to the quarterfinals. Now, let me just get to the quarterfinals. I might as well just get to the quarterfinals, and I can talk about the storylines that happened on the way there. In the quarterfinals right now, Djokovic is going to play Matteo Berrettini. Rafael Nadal is going to play Diego Schwartzman. Alexander Sverev is going to play Davidovich Vokina. I am not. I haven't watched him a lot, but he's played a really, really good tournament so far. Um, breakout for that guy. And then Stefano Tsitsipas is going to play Medvedev, and that's kind of the biggest one to watch. Medvedev's a two seed. Tsitsipas five seed. Tsitsipas plays really well on red clay. Medvedev notoriously hates you know clay, and now he makes it into all the way to the quarterfinals. And these are all for spots in the semis. Now the big storyline here is obviously Nadal and Djokovic could meet in the semis, but those the top part of this bracket right now, Djokovic playing Berrettini and Nadal playing Schwartzman. If you remember correctly, last French Open, leading up to the French Open, Schwartzman beat Nadal on clay. So I think this can be a really good match. Do I think Schwartzman comes out of it? Probably not, but there's a possibility. He did it last year. Um, Berrettini and Djokovic, I think Djokovic comes out of that. Now, Djokovic just beat Lorenzo Musetti. Um, in five sets in the fourth round. And in this this match was wild. Musetti wins the first two sets. Lorenzo Musetti, this is his grand slam debut. He's 19 years old, 
and he makes it all the way to the fourth round, ends up playing world number one, Novak Djokovic, and takes him to five sets, wins the first two, and then just gets swamped in the last three sets, 6-1, 6-0, and then he retires at 4-0 in the last set. Just couldn't couldn't really close the door there. I'm not sure what happened when it comes to him getting hurt and everything, but nevertheless, in a fantastic tournament by Lorenzo Musetti and very, he's been very entertaining to watch. And I think he's got the tennis world, um, caught him a little bit by surprise, but I think everyone is definitely a fan. Now I want to talk about Roger Federer. He was supposed to play Berrettini in the fourth round, but in the third round, Roger Federer, um, he plays Kopfer and wins in four sets and just a grinder, um, tie break in the first set, loses tie break in the second, wins tie break in the third, wins 7-5 in the fourth. Just a grinder of a match that Roger Federer plays. Ends up withdrawing from the tournament after that match, so he doesn't get to play Matteo Berrettini. He is going to leave the French Open, go get ready for grass, um, the grass season, and hopefully the grass is greener on the other side. He's gearing up for a massive Wimbledon, and this might be one of his last real big runs. And so I think he said he's listening to his body, and I think this is going to be his time. And if if he's going to win 21, it's going to have to be right now at Wimbledon. And it's kind of weird that you use a Grand Slam like Roland Garros to, you know, as a tune-up tournament and see where you're at. But that's exactly what Roger Federer did, and that's what he needed to do. So he's gearing up for a massive Wimbledon, and I'm really excited about that. So Berrettini moves on, doesn't even have to play Federer, so lucky him, he's well-rested. Into the quarters, he'll play Djokovic. A few other large storylines coming out of Roland Garros this year is uh, Kai Nishikori had a good tournament. He ended up losing in the fourth round to Sverev, and that's when Sverev moved on to play in the quarters. But Nishikori played a few five-set matches that were unbelievable, and for him to kind of come back. He kind of got hurt in the middle there and used to play really well, then got hurt, and now he's kind of on the way back a little bit. For him to make it all the way to the, to the fourth round, I think is very impressive for someone who's kind of struggled in recent years because of injury, and for him to kind of get back into that groove, it looks like he's getting back in that groove, is promising, and he's entertaining to watch, so I'm kind of excited to watch him moving forward. My pick to win it still is... Djokovic. Um, I picked him at the beginning. He didn't play well yesterday, but he said the pressure was good, and he was happy with how he played with the pressure, and so I think Djokovic is still my pick to win, and I think Berrettini is going to be an easier match for him than Schwartzman is going to be for Nadal. I could be completely wrong with that, but that's kind of where I'm at right now in my headspace, um, and The French Open's been very entertaining to watch. I don't know how else to say it. The French Open has been fantastic to watch so far, and the big names are playing in big-time areas. Um, On the women's side, Serena's out as well, but everyone seems to be gearing up, at least some of the bigger names, Serena and maybe Osaka and Roger Federer for Wimbledon. So I think Wimbledon's going to be even more entertaining than the French Open is right now. But there's some giant names. The Tsitsipas-Medvedev match in the quarters is definitely going to be one to watch. Um, I'm assuming Sverev's going to take care of business in the quarters. But 
the Nadal, Schwartzman, and Djokovic, Berrettini. There are some massive names. There are some massive players. There are some massive hitters playing in the quarterfinals at Roland Garros, and I couldn't be more excited to watch them moving forward into the semis. There's a lot more tennis to be played. There's a lot more to be done at Roland Garros, and there's a lot of storylines out of Paris right now, and most of it has to do with how well some of the youngsters, like Sinner, Sinner ended up playing Nadal in the fourth round last round to get to the quarters, and he ended up losing Nadal in straight sets, but there's some big names. Yesterday, Sinner played Nadal, and then Djokovic played Musetti, and it was just wild because Musetti almost beat Djokovic, and then it's like, a Sinner going to do the same thing? And Roger Federer was supposed to play yesterday, all this stuff, right? So there's a lot of things going on in Paris right now, a lot of things to watch. I very encourage you to watch, try to watch the Sitsipas Medvedev match or maybe jump on the Djokovic and um, Berrettini or Nadal and Schwarzman matches because there's some really good tennis to be played at Roland Garros, and I believe a lot of these are going to at least go four sets in Paris. Um, there's a lot more to cover, a lot more that I will get into in the recap of Roland Garros, and I will talk about um, everything that happens in this last week. Next week, I will talk about all that. There's a lot to touch there. There's some Olympic stuff to touch on. Um, and then there's just some other cool, fun facts that have happened since Roland Garros started. So there's a lot more that I have in this plan for next week that I'm very excited about, including a recap of Roland Garros. Um, let's see if I'm right. Let's see if my predictions are right. I think in the semis, it's going to be Djokovic, Nadal, Tsitsipas, and Zverev. Those are my picks to be in the semis, and they'll be fun to watch. There's a lot of good tennis left, including... Nadal and Djokovic possibly playing in the semifinals in a Grand Slam, which I thought I would never, ever say. But here I am today saying it. So watch some tennis. Thanks for listening. You can check me out on Twitter at Jacob Sersosimo and Instagram at Jacob Sersosimo. Or you can reach out to at Believe Podcast if you want to sponsor this or if you want to you know, get involved with the podcast somehow. Um, let me know what you think. Let me know what topics you want, especially after Roland Garros going into Wimbledon. I'm open to all, and I'm really looking forward to this next chapter in the podcast. If you haven't checked out my last week's podcast, you might want to check that out because that's a lot of good information um, with starting season two of Believe in the ATP Tour. Watch some tennis this week. I know it's on at a weird time here in the States, but let me tell you, it's going to be worth it. Watch some tennis. All of a recap of Roland Garros in one week. Take care, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.